Hey, it's Pastor Ted Fabianic here from Faith Love Church in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to our podcast. We pray that when you listen to this, you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you. When you become born again, you stop living by information. See, information makes you smart. We call it IQ. So people know how smart you are. You go, I've been here, I've been here. But when you start to get into the kingdom, you start to live by revelation. The difference between information and revelation is because revelation shows you who you are. Now, in in Matthew 16, Jesus asked this amazing question to his disciples. Who do men say that I am? Men give information, God gives revelation. What Jesus is doing to the disciples is going to make it distinctive about the kingdom of God. He says, what do men say that I am? And he said, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're the great prophet. But then he says this, but who do you say that I am? See, what happens is after you get information, you need to make a declaration of what you believe. See, information will give you a declaration. So you, if you're feeling sick, you get on to Dr. Google. And you have 5,000 doctors giving you five different opinions. And none of them are good. And then you go, what's wrong with you? You make a declaration out of that information. The, what we've got to watch is that every time you need to understand the difference between information and revelation. Because if you speak the wrong one, you get what you speak. You get? That is why he comes up there, who do you say that I am? Peter steps from information to revelation. He says, Jesus, you're not an ordinary man. You are the Son of God, you are the Messiah. But what he said, when he said, you are the Messiah, do you realize what he said? He said, there is no longer a need to wait for the promised privileges to be manifested today. Would you like me to repeat that? When he said, you are the Messiah, He took something that people were looking for in the future and he brought it into today. When the Messiah takes what you think will happen one day, one day this will happen, one day, he brings it into the now. See, revelation is not for the future. Revelation is for the now. Because it's the now that changes your present situation. And he goes, you are the Messiah. And what does Jesus do? He automatically makes this declaration. He says, Simon, your old name, flesh and blood did not give this to you. Now, just put a pause there for a moment. No amount of information can take you where revelation can. There is no amount. And he goes, now... Because you know this, Simon. You know who I am. I will tell you who you are. You are now a rock. Before revelation, you were swayed with every information. I feel good today. No, I don't feel good today. How many of you have went to bed feeling absolutely great and woke up feeling absolutely terrible? Am I the only one? Come on, stop lying. All of you, put your hands up. You know, you start, you know what, you start well. You walk in and there's your boss looking at you and he's giving you the look. All of a sudden, uh-oh. What happens is this, see, Revelation says, Simon, you were once backwards, forward, you were double-minded. You were, yes, no, yes, no. But Revelation says, now you are a rock. See, what happens is this. When you get a revelation who God is, you also get a revelation of who you are. 
So we know what it tells me? That revelation has always got two parts. It tells me who God is, and it tells me who you are. Let's do me careful. If somebody, if you're counseling somebody, they, don't, they go, I don't know who I am. It's the first indicator that they don't know God. Let me show you something that's amazing with the Ten Commandments. The first commandment is there's only one God, correct? Isn't it amazing? The first commandment starts with that and then you get nine others. Here's the, here's the issue. If you don't get the first one right, you will fail in all the nine. So if you don't have a revelation that God is your source, you will struggle with all the other nine. Information tries to deal with the nine instead of going to the top. There was a, a, a Jewish counselor in Israel, and he uses that in his counseling principles. And he goes, oh man, I, you know what, I've got a problem with adultery. Well, you, the problem you have with adultery is because you haven't got God as your number one. I have a problem with lying. The problem is that you have a problem with number one. See, once you get a revelation of who God is, you get a revelation of who you are. When you don't know who you are, that means you're not living out of the revelation that God's given you. Hey, I'm preaching really, really well. See, our problem is not to find out who we are. We can spend books, we can do all of these seminars and still come out empty. But God says this, the fruit of knowing who I am is that you, you know who you are. So therefore, when you know who God is, you know who you are. And when you know who you are, you know what you're supposed to have, do, and speak. Which is this. When you know who God is, and then God comes inside of you, your desire changes. is because now you are attracted to the things that God is attracted to. I'll show that in a minute. This is good. You're all good? Now, I want you to do this. Today, I want to start this. Accessing kingdom treasures. God has treasures for you that are beyond, as Pastor Silva said, beyond words. Now, listen to this. Jesus is talking to a group of people that are waiting for a kingdom. People are studying what are the signs to the kingdom. And he comes in and he starts to talk about something that people are waiting for. One day this will happen. One day this will happen. In one of my posts, I put in, is faith takes the future and brings it into the present. See, faith takes what people are waiting for in the future and brings it into the now. Now, watch this. In Luke 21, 17, nor will people say, look, here it is, or it is here. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you, in your hearts, and among you, surrounding you. Look at the Mace New Testament. For even now the kingdom of God is among you. Now I want you to watch this. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, God doesn't put principles in you. God doesn't give you a new lifestyle. God puts his kingdom in you. Now watch this. Every kingdom has a king. Every kingdom has its own finances. Every kingdom has its own wisdom. Every kingdom has its own teachers. Every kingdom has an economics. Every kingdom has authority and power. So when you were born again, the kingdom of God when inside of you before it comes outside of you. Information says this, when I see a physical throne and Jesus upon it, I will say the kingdom of God has come. When things change, then the kingdom of God has come. But the Bible here tells you that the kingdom of God is in you. So therefore, I want you to notice this. 
that the king of kings is resident in you now. Right now, the king of kings, the lord of lords, is in you. So the kingdom of God is in you. The king is in you. The provisions are in you. So now, start to unpack some of the scriptures. In Ephesians chapter 1, we are told that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. In 1 Peter, he says that God has already given us everything pertaining to life. So what you've got to understand is this is the mind shift. Is that everything that you are looking for is now in you, not outside of you. Jesus said this in Matthew 4. He was talking about this. Repent for the kingdom of God is here. And I think about this. That word repent means go back to the original. God is saying now, now that the kingdom of God is in you, you've got to start to think different. You can have the king in you, but you can still be living the old lifestyle. So it is now, going back to how we started, is when I get a revelation of who God is, I get a revelation of who you are. It's just a sideline here. Jesus says he's the king of kings. My question to you is who are the other kings? There's one way to look at it is this, is that he's talking about the other kings. But hey, hey that don't even match up. In the Bible is this. You start with a king, capital K, and then when he goes kings, it's not a capital, it's a G. Do you realize now that in this kingdom, you're not a citizen that supports the kingdom. You're, you're ruling and reigning a kingdom. Okay. Outside of the kingdom, God's kingdom, what does a king have? Servants. He's got people making money for him. There are people in kingdoms that have to go poor so the king can be rich, correct? Come on. Look at every kingdom. I remember I was um, driving uh, through Myanmar and what astounded me, they've got these amazing temples and they've got so much gold in them, but the people are poor. So the people's poverty made a wealthy building. Outside of the kingdom, it's the citizens that make the king rich. Inside the kingdom, God makes you rich. Come on, come, on, come on, smile at me. It's because the problem is that we have, we think here, we're serving God. The Bible says in, in the book of, when Peter's talking, in the kingdom, the so outside of the kingdom, the soldiers have to pay their own way. That means a, a soldier back then had to buy his own armor. He had to buy his own sword. He had to buy his own food. Even think about this in David. Why did David go to the battlefield? It's because his dad was feeding his brothers and they were in the king's service. So in this kingdom, God says this, you are now a co-heir with Jesus. Where are you seated in this kingdom? Is God above and you're the little plebs down the middle? Does God make you pay taxes so that he can be rich? See, how you see this is how you see yourself. God said this, the kingdom of God is in you. When you are born again, Christ comes in you you go into Christ and Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So anybody that approaches the king sees you. Hi, my name is Ted Fabianic. I'm a pastor of this church. Now, kings do not beg. Kings don't ask permission. They get advice. 
A king doesn't rule by the strength of his physical arm. He rules by speaking. Jesus never, ever, you can't see him. Hey, guys, we need to feed, we need to feed uh, this, you know, 5,000 men plus their wives plus their children. He says, come on, here's a shovel. Let's start digging, start planting seed. Jesus ruled by speaking. So if you want to know what's in you, go from Genesis, read the book of Revelation and see what God does and that is in you. So what we find is that God comes into them and he says, listen, you're looking for a kingdom that you can touch. You're looking for a kingdom that works in one system. You want, you want to have the kingdom with David in it as the throne. You wanted a physical David, but God says, I'm giving you a spiritual David. See, outside of one kingdom, you make the king great. Inside his kingdom, he makes you great. See, the elevation is this. When God says, my kingdom is in you, he elevates you from serving the kingdom to ruling the kingdom. So we get into a mind shift of how we're supposed to act then. How do we behave? How do we move? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as one making God great or do you see that God has made you great? Do you see yourself ruling over your situation or being ruled by your situation? How do you see yourself? Because God said this, I've elevated you. You have become, listen to me carefully now here. When the word of God says you become a co-heir with Jesus, it's not 50-50. Right, okay, I'm from a family of nine kids. So whatever my parents leave us when they go to see Jesus is going to get split nine ways. Right, so all my family now, they know how to do maths. You know, it's because, hey, now, but Jesus says this. See, inside of the kingdom, right, we split, outside of, the, outside of God's kingdom, we split things up. But God says you are a co-heir. You are jointly in God's position. So God says this to you. Let, let, here's my question. Here's my question to you. What does Jesus own? Okay, let's take it to another level. What has Jesus accomplished? Uh, okay. Is Jesus broke? Huh. Is Jesus sick? Is Jesus depressed? Has Jesus run out of good ideas? Has Jesus run out of patience with you? You, some of you don't know what to say. But in, in, let me just say this. I, I'm being as polite as I can as the father of the house. The reason you are like that is because you haven't been taught how to speak like a king. Let, let, let me give you an illustration. In the previous church that um, I was a pastor in with Sylvie, we had a reception upstairs. And to get past the, re the reception was like the gates of heaven. <laughs> I, I mean, the lady that worked it, I, I, I think she was ex-military, um, ex-commando, ex-assassin. I, I, mean, I mean, the moment you walk in, she would go, stop. Who do you want to see? Have you got an appointment? If you've got no appointment, then Go and make one. If you've got an appointment, sit down, I'll check. And then if it is then, you have to sign in. You've got to get a card. She has to press a button and the door opens up. Right? My daughter comes out because we had the school next day. She just walks in. She goes, excuse me, open the door. I'm going upstairs. Why? She's my, she's my kid. She doesn't need permission. 
Now, if you're a co-heir with Jesus, does Jesus do this? Oh, Father, look, I'm really hungry. Can you please feed me? Or does Jesus go and get food? Does Jesus beg? John 4, 1 John 4, 17 says, As he is, so are we in this world. That means this, is how you see Jesus is what you expect right now. See, religion goes, oh, Jesus is high. Jesus is mine, lifted up. Oh, praise God, praise God. What about you? Oh, I am low. I'm a nobody. I'm a worm. Step on me and watch me squirm. Do you, okay, okay. Because okay. you're very smart, correct? You're very smart. I'm not going to stop until you all agree with me, right? You're very smart. I want you to do a study for me. I want you to give me a scripture and a reference and in context where Jesus said, Father, I am so unworthy. Or, Father, please make me worthy so that I can have something. I'll give you, no, no, I won't. I better not. Somebody might get a fake Bible and then I'll be in trouble. But you see what is the thing? God says this. I came not for you to live in this kingdom and be influenced by the kingdom, but I came in and I gave you the kingdom in you and now you start to manifest what's inside of you. See, is what you know is inside of you is what's going to come outside of you. Sense knowledge says this, is when I can see it, I will believe it. God's revelation knowledge, I have it, and so therefore I can manifest it. So that's why if you see yourself as sick, that's what you'll be manifesting. If you see yourself as broke, let me just ask you a question. Have you ever driven past a house that was better than your house and you were drawn to it? Okay, most of you don't live in houses, okay. Do you, do you know what that is? It's the kingdom of God manifesting itself in you. The kingdom is telling you what's inside of you. Have you ever gone in a clothing shop and you saw you know, a nice dress suit or whatever and you go, wow, I really like that and it's better than what you're wearing? What is that? Is that, ooh, your sin nature's coming out. You should be happy with your rags. Well, at least they, they might be raggy, but they're keeping you warmy. Come on, come on, come on. See, your desire is an indication of what's inside of you. When I saw this beautiful young lady at the age of 15, kingdom of God spoke. I said, God, that's the one. And then I prayed, I said, from now on, God, if any guy comes near her, you will kindly dismiss him. <laughs> Anybody that goes near the, a woman called Sylvie will have a call to Siberia. <laughs> but you see, the, you see, the thing is, the reason I was attracted to her wasn't because of anything else. It was the kingdom of God that God's put inside of me. He says, Ted, I've already prepared somebody for you, and here she is. See, have you, ever, have you ever heard Jesus do this? Jesus, this is, uh, Father, this is too good for me. Is your spiritual mind thinking? Think, watch this, watch this. Jesus preached the kingdom, and he says, to understand the kingdom, you're going to have to change your thinking. You cannot interpret God's kingdom with your mindset. Now, watch this. In 1 Colossians 1.5 says this, Our faith and our love rise within us as you access. Stop right there. Watch this. Your faith and love rise. That means when the kingdom of God came in you, he gave you faith and he gave you love. And that 
love and that faith stays dormant when you are not reaching out to what God has placed in for you. Hello? Smile. See, in the kingdom, outside of the kingdom, you're saying... You can let this phrase. There was a, there was a time that Jesus, that came, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Increase our faith. Jesus never responded to that. Outside of the kingdom, you've got to increase your own faith. You've got to be smart. You've got to be positive. You've got to be ultra positive, correct? In the kingdom, God says, I've given you faith, I've given you life as they rise within you, as you access all the treasures of your inheritance stored up in the heavenly realm. For the revelation of the true gospel is real today as the day you first heard it as a glorious hope. This is going to take a mind shift, okay? But for you, to live in the realm that you know God has for you, there's going to have to be some changes. And God says this. The issue now, now watch this, watch this. The issue now, is, it, is this God's will or not, is no longer relevant to you because the kingdom of God is in you. Now, God didn't do this. Oh, there's Pastor Ted. Give him a fifth of the kingdom. Don't give him too much because get, he'll get proud. See, God never divided the kingdom. It's going back to a natural inheritance. You get something, and you, depending on the amount of kids you've got, you divide it. But in the kingdom, everybody gets 100% of the whole. So God says this. If you look at a promise in the Bible, how can you ask if it's yours when it's already in you? Hello? I just want, God never said to leave your spiritual brains outside. What he said was, instead of your brain and your thinking acting like you have nothing, I want your thinking to start to act like you've already been given everything. So God says this, if the kingdom of God is in you in its full totality, doesn't that answer the question, is why would I have to ask if it's God's will if it's already in me? Hey, it's not like the hotel room. Have you noticed when you go into a hotel room, right? Any hotel room, and they have a fridge there, and it's full, correct? But do you know what they got next to the fridge, inside the room that you're paying for? They have a price list. And then they have a menu that goes to the kitchen. And you go, wow, isn't this great? But next to the menu that comes from the kitchen in the hotel you're paying for, they want more money. Have you not? Okay, most of you need to go. Okay, as a pastor, I charge everyone to go to a hotel room. Right? So you know what happens is, so I'm renting, I'm leasing a room, but what's in the room doesn't belong to me. I still have to pay for it. And see, that is the mentality that most people have when they see themselves with God. Yes, I am in the kingdom, but everything I want is in the bar fridge, and the bar fridge has this, and then room service has this. The only thing you get in that room is self-cleaning. I actually asked God for that room for my house. I said, Jesus, I'd like a bedroom like the hotel room, that it's self-cleaning. You know, isn't it amazing? You walk out and you come back and it's done. And then, and then they give you a piece of chocolate to say thank you for letting me do their room. I, I, got, I got, I love that. Now, anyway, go ahead. See, we think we've entered into this room of the kingdom, and now we still have to pay for it. Hey, have, have you ever noticed that the kings don't pay for anything? I was just reading a book about this, uh, this, business, this pastor and he was being introduced into one of the kings in, um, in, South, in, in, in the African region. I don't know what nation it was. And he's walking in 
as he's walking in, his attache came up to him and said, excuse me, I just need to, um, need to say something before you meet the king of this country. And I go, what is it? And he goes this, don't bring anything into the room that you don't want to lose. And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, see, a king thinks that everything he sees is his. So if he likes your watch, he's going to ask you for it, and, he's, and he expects it. Because the king's mindset is, well, if you stand in front of me, you belong to me, and everything you have, I have full access to. Different mentality. I was reading about another king. He had to go to Chicago. So he goes, I need an operation. So he went to the most expensive hotel. I think back then was the Marriott Hotel. He booked the whole place out. He had to have an operation. He booked the whole ward out in the hospital. He came in with three airplanes, one for him, one for his servants, and one for his wives. And then when, after the operation, he gave everybody a resort holiday. That's how kings think. Do you realize that Jesus, when he lived on earth, wasn't dependent upon anybody. Whatever he needed, he spoke to it. Hello. And you and I are children of the king. And what do children do? They imitate parents. Good, bad, or indifferent. Correct? Correct? I remember a time that I was um how we doing ooh, I remember a time I was with my daughter and we were having this huge argument. Uh, uh, most of you don't know what I'm talking about, right? You don't even know the meaning of argument. We're having this full-on argument, right? And halfway through, she totally disarms me. She goes, "Dad, don't blame me. It's all your fault." And I go, "How is it my fault?" He goes, "Well, I've been watching you." You made me. You taught me how to do it. So if I am acting like this, it's because that's the way you act. Get over it. See, one of the things we've done is we're not imitating the king. Because, see, if you don't see Jesus as a king, but you see him as somebody that's powerless, that doesn't love you, that doesn't care for you, that determines on how you approach him. See, when you have a need, it exposes how you see God because it's the way you approach him. Watch this. You're sick. Oh, God, oh, God, I must have done something wrong. There's something wrong with me. Please, God, forgive me. Please have mercy on me. Please, God, I am unworthy. Do you know what you're doing right now? You are exposing what you believe about God. Excuse me? You see, what, your approach determines what you've heard. Do you know what I love about Jesus? He never ever said to anybody, because of your persistence in begging for a breakthrough, I gave you a breakthrough. See, right now, our issue, church worldwide, including here, including myself, is that we've been living from information about somebody that's never had revelation. Now, l- let me just show you this. You-, you okay with me? One of the dangers is, ring- is r- by getting yourself totally enthralled in self-help books, how to be rich and all that stuff, right? Here's the problem with it. Is in most of it is in there. There are things that are outside of the kingdom of God. There are do you realize there are rich people that Christians admire that got there by stamping over others? There are self-help books, how to make it in business. The only problem is, is you had to step over so many people to get up to the top. Come on. So there's a mixture. But God says, when you come into me, I do things differently. So what we do is when you start to live out a revelation, number one, when you start to live out of the revelation of your sonhood, is you go, God, it is, I am no longer have to ask for it because it is already given. You don't have to ask for it because it's already. You don't have to ask for it because it's already. 
You don't have to ask for it because it's already. I hope you're getting it. Do I have... You're not going home until you get this. See, everything you need pertaining to life and godliness has already been given you. And the Bible says is that when you start to go, this is what I want, God. Do you realize that Jesus is attracted to your desires? The Bible says he will give you the desires of your... Wow. You know the problem we have in church worldwide? If somebody else next to you has a bigger desire than you do and you can't and you get upset at it. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I, I just want one meal. God, just, just one little meal. It doesn't have to be much. You know, you know, you know when the waiters come along and take the food and there's some food that still hasn't been eaten, that, that will be fine. Dear Jesus, that's all I want. God says, okay, I'll give it to you. Next person says, God, I'd love to have the restaurant. I love to have the restaurant. What's the difference? The desire. One desire is, God, I just want to see one meal. The other person is, I want to produce meal after meal after meal. The only difference is, it's the same God we're praying to. The difference is the desire. Hello? I'm having a good time this morning. Because for us, is that you're, because now, listen to me very carefully, you'll go, why we're doing this. Watch this. That Jesus was an example to the world of how the kingdom functions. Correct? So God said this to all of his followers. If you want to know how the kingdom functions, watch me. But then he does this. He goes, but there's a shift coming. He says, now, my kingdom that's manifesting this so you understand the Father is I am putting into you so that others will watch you to see how the kingdom works. Do you realize how good that is? Do you realize that God wants to show the world how great he is and he's going to use your life? I could be a little bit more excited, just for me, right? For my little poor self-esteem. Can you imagine the weight that God's putting on you? And he's going this. Jesus came in and he manifested the kingdom. People looked at him and go, wow. But then God said now to his disciples, I want you to go do you likewise. And how does it come? As you start to exercise. So as we're coming to an end for this time, is this. Ask yourself, what are you going after? Now, let's take it to another level. Let, Let me ask you a question from God the Father to to God's children. What do you want? Now, before I say this, I'll, I'll deal with this next time. There needs to be a gr- growth progression from where I am need-oriented to I am desire-oriented. Y- you good? See, when you came into the kingdom, we have put so much weight on God meeting your needs, which is good. But God says, what are you going to do when I meet your needs? Are you then do you wait around until you have another need? Excuse me. See, outside of the kingdom, you get in there, which is good. Listen to me carefully. The Bible says this. Do you know what is a given in the kingdom of God? I will supply all your needs according to your to my riches in glory, right? So God says, listen, I want to, I want to make a, 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 a difference. So you, you stop being need-oriented. So you go, yes, God, I have a need. God says, great, I'm here to meet it. But after I met your need, I'm coming back again, and I'm going to ask you, what do you want? Think about this. 
Having a need met is great. But God says, I've come to give you life and more abundantly. You good? Just think about this, right? I, I believe as a church, this is what's going to start to break things open in our lives and in the church's life. He's going, okay, oh God, we need a building. We need this, we need this, this, great. But God says, now when, I, when these things are done, already done, what are you going to do? So here's, here's my question. For your personal life, what do you want? Second, for my marriage, what do you want? For my children, what do you want? Let, let me ask you a question. How much would you like to sow in the kingdom of God? Most of us, I know for me, it was sowing because of what I had. Then all of a sudden a thing shifted of sowing what I could believe for. Living as kings, we go from need-based and we start to go desire-based. Hey, let me see something to you. How would it be that one day you buy an orphanage? How about one day you start and we build a university? You know, can, we, can I be totally honest with you? I found those questions hard. The reason I found them hard personally is because, of God, I'm struggling with my needs. How, how, how is it that you want me to believe for, to buy an orphanage to do this, to do that, when I am struggling that I can't pay my bill tomorrow morning? Correct? And God says this. It's because we've been so fixated about that God is the God that meets needs. That is where all of our energy goes to. But God says this, let your faith arise that I'll meet your needs. What do you want? Let, let, and, I, and I'll close on this now. And I, I want to pray for us as a church. Is that God says this, you have a level of faith inside of you that already meets every need. But then let me read that to you again. Your faith and love rise within you as you access all the treasures. All the treasures. You know what's going to take us further? As you and I individually and corporately start to access all the treasures. That faith that you don't think you have starts to accelerate it when you go, God, this is what I want. God, this is what I want. God, this is what I want. Not only do I want my husband to be saved, I want his relatives to be saved. I want this. God, not only, I want my whole lineage saved. God, not only do I want to pay off my mortgage, I would love to pay off somebody else's mortgage. God, not only would I love to buy myself a new car, I'd love to buy somebody else a new car. God, not only do I want to travel, I want to support others that travel and minister. God, everybody's buying meals for me, but one day I'd like to buy meals for somebody else. Instead of me getting prayed for, I'd like to be the one doing the praying. Come on. So, but what I'm just saying, this, see, the atmosphere that we're hitting is the same atmosphere that Jesus was hitting. And he put it on and says, that's why you need to live by revelation. Because I believe that the reason you're here this morning is says, God, God's speaking to you right now. God's awakening your desires. And I want you to notice this, that your desire is not dependent on the people around you. The desire is dependent on what God has given you. And God says, if I didn't withhold my only begotten son, what will I withhold from you? Come on, come on, church. Why don't, why don't we just, why don't we shake it off? Why, why don't we get over that we're no longer sinners, we're no longer getting by, we're no longer dirty, we're no longer unpresentable to God. We go, God, I am your son, I am your daughter, I have been made anew, I am a part of you. I am no longer this, I know who I am. You see, we've we got to get past, oh God, cleanse me. I am clean. The, he, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, oh, you've got to wash all of us. And Jesus goes, I don't have to wash you because you have been already cleaned by the word that you have heard. 
Some of you need to dust out your desires and your dreams. What is, what is it that's burdening you? What is it that you want to do? What is it that you want to be known for? As a church, what do we want to be known for? God's already prophesied it. we just got to go after it. Whatever state any of your relationships are in is not the state that God intends them to be. Can I be really, 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 really personal with you? Uh, Sulskin and I, oh, Sulskin is a Danish thing for sunshine. We have a great relationship. But I want more. I believe that our relationship, you can still hit another level, we haven't plateaued. I still don't know a lot about her. She's changing, moving, expanding, right? And if I have this relationship with one of God's children, how much more is my relationship with him? Listen to me carefully. Uh, Whatever state you are in, God says, I want to give you more. Hey, listen to me. It doesn't the Bible say, uh, I I, I know I'm going a little bit overboard, but I, I I feel like I need to. The Bible says, my cup overflows. We've been taught, when you start filling up a cup, right, when do you stop? When it's full. But do you know what God does? He says, give me your cup. I'll just keep filling it and 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 filling it. But God is going all over the place. God says, yeah. See, we think of it as waste, but God says this. You've got to understand that I am an endless supply. You never, ever come up to, says God. God says, I can't bless you anymore. You've reached it. I can't bless you anymore because I haven't got anymore. God, you don't come up to God and God says, I am totally empty. I, I am believing for you as a church this morning that you would rise up, that there is something inside of you, that kingly, priestly anointing comes inside of you. And it says, God, I am happy with where I am, but I want more. I want more revelation. I want more divine manifestation of the Holy Spirit. See, and I, I actually, I've hit enough, I've started again. It's when we say stop that we grieve God. God says, I've given you everything. So my question to you is, will you allow the Holy Spirit to wash your thinking and then you can start to see not a limited God, but a limitless God? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to wash your mind and that tells you it's okay for you to have that desire? See, religion has taught you, survive, but God says, I am teaching you how to reign. Religion has told, just get it, just do enough to get to heaven. But God says, I want you to rule and reign with Christ. Religion has taught you, be satisfied with what you've got. But God says, I want to give you the whole kingdom. Religion has taught you to, you know what, if you want more than a person next to you, you're being proud. But God says this, he says, Let, I will feed the hungry. I will feel the thirsty. And God says, I will give you the desires of your heart. We need to just break the limitation over us. But not only that, as you and I break it over, we break it up over all our suburbs, all our families, over everything. Do you realize that the breakthrough for somebody else is you? It's our church. We, you know, we've just come from Brisbane and what was on this church came over there and they had breakthrough. And what we need to do is Faith Life Church, start to see yourself as you are ruling and reigning in Christ. The kingdom of God is in you. Why don't you stand with me? Come on. That was my introduction. (laughs) But I believe that the shift in our church and in people's hearts have begun. As I was praying this week, God gave me a scripture which I'll share next time I'm with you. It goes, Ted, the shift has already begun. I've been praying for us as a church and where we are, God's got so much more. We need next move is we need to go to get a building. There's so many things that it's going to change in the next couple of months. Be ready for it. But the shift has already begun. The shift in your life has already begun. The shift 
from you being need-oriented to being a provider-oriented has begun. Some of, you, some of you still see yourself at the foot of the cross asking God to help you. You know what I believe God's coming today? He's coming to the cross where, you're, where you are and, and He's grabbing you by the hand and He's going, I, I want to walk with you. The way Jesus started his ministry, if you can just imagine that Jesus is starting his ministry and he's walking to be baptized like everybody else. And, and, and John looks at him and he goes, no, hey, Jesus, 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 you should be doing this to me, but I'm doing this to you. And God says, we need to fulfill righteousness. It's because when you, feel, when you fulfill righteousness, John, I'll take you where I am. And as, he, as Jesus goes into the water and he comes out, the Father makes a declaration, and it's this. This is my beloved Son in whom I am pleased. I want you to notice something. What's he saying? The kingdom of God starts that you are already pleasing to God. You don't enter the kingdom to please God. Some of you are struggling to please God. Can I, let me just totally open my, what God's showed me this morning. He goes, you need to start to act that you are pleasing to God now. But Pastor Ted, I'm still got, no, no, no. Everything will fall off when you realize that you're pleasing with God. So right now, your first step into the kingdom of God, God is pleased with me. From now on, I am not trying to get His pleasure. I already have His pleasure. So just lift up your hands with me. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, we are in Your kingdom. And Father God, as we enter Your kingdom, You're speaking over us right now. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter. I am pleased with you. I am pleased with you. I am pleased with you because of you are in Christ and Christ is in you. So Father, right now in the name of Jesus, just wash us as a church. Wash us as individuals. Father, we want to go from being need-oriented, God, to building the kingdom-oriented. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I am not going to be ashamed of my desires. I am not going to be ashamed, embarrassed about how much I want to do and how much You are entering me into. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, from today onward, I am not going to live a life of a beggar, of a needy person, but I'm going to live a life as somebody that rules and reigns in Jesus Christ. And everybody said, everybody said, now, I want you to do something for me this week. Start to be aware of the things that you are drawn to. Now, I am talking to you as a, a man and a woman full of the Holy Ghost. Start to see what you're drawn to. If you're seeing, if you're walking past and you're seeing a need and you feel drawn to it, it's God speaking to you. I want you to do something about that. It, whatever you're drawn to, it could be a house, it could be a car, it could be a job, whatever it is. I want you to now to start to step it up. We're no longer working in the flesh, we're working in the Spirit. So when you feel a drawing, just go, okay, God, wow. You see that, wow. God, I want this for my marriage, wow. I want this for my job, wow. I want this for my finances. So whatever you're doing this week, Acknowledge it and you're going to see amazing, amazing breakthroughs in your life.